0: I have done too much work in the dark to lose in the light. I am the kind of human that can handle this moment in front of me. When you have that, not only do you actually have more success because you navigate these defining moments better, but you'll step into more moments in the future.
1: Today is really just so super special because I have the opportunity to ask questions. An individual who knows what it takes to inspire and motivate at the highest levels. Someone who has taken his career from where the prospect was, in his own words, virtually zero of him becoming what he's become, has evolved into a monument of inspiration in a way that I'm grateful to call a colleague and now a friend. Please welcome none other than Mr. Anthony Trucks. How are you today, sir?
0: I'm doing very well, man. It's a, it's a beautiful day. No complaints in my end of the world. Life's good. Wife's good. Kids are good. I'm solid.
1: So right off the bat, I think it's important to level set and help everyone understand your level of expertise and where it kind of stems from. Can you help guide the audience in understanding what mission are you on?
0: Yeah, man, I am on a mission at this point to help people develop dominators identities. I believe you cannot attain or sustain like literally any goal, anything in life above your current identity, habits, patterns, actions, perspectives, you know, framing of of situations. And so however you are is what you will going to do to create things. But it's developed through hardship, to be quite honest. And Most people avoid hardship or don't learn from it. So they keep repeating the same stupid cycle. So how I show up in the world is I want you to have what I call a dominer's identity, which only means I'm in control and I govern. That's domination. I'm in control and I govern. You could dominate a meditation routine, right? It's not this, you know, kind of grip that's hard and rough. But on top of that, I want you to show up to what I call defining moments in your life later with a dominator's identity mentality of I have done too much work in the dark to lose in the light. It's a it's a guttural sense of control and ability that whenever I've done some at the hardest, deepest level that I, I am the kind of human that can handle this moment in front of me when you have that. Not only do you actually have more success because you navigate these defining moments better, but you'll step into more moments in the future.
1: We're going to get a bit deep right off the bat. And you talked about control. What What does it mean to have that type of control? You were talking about this ability to dominate, but what does mm-hmm. it mean? and Why is it so important to have that sense of control?
0: I, I actually think control is more important than freedom. A lot of people ask me like don't you want to have freedom and as a success i go no, i think success is control because there's there's like twofold levels of control one control is i can control what's around me i think when i get in control i have freedom if i'm playing a video game and i'm i'm the first player i can control what we do right but there's also the moments when i'm i'm not in control of the situation but i'm in control of me in the situation and i think we run into more of those than the other ones so i can control like for example I love the idea that I can get up when I want to get up. I can do what I want to do with my life, with my kids, with my... Whatever, I can do that, right? But I'm not in control if all of a sudden, like, a flight's delayed. I'm not in control if, you know, something happens with my kids at school and I got to, like, leave something and go. I'm not in control if a water main busts and, I you know, I'm just not in control. But I'm in control if I let it ruin the rest of my day because the world's a mirror to me. If my flight's delayed and I'm not in control of my emotions and I get angry or frustrated or pissed off and I take it out on the flight attendant... Well, now I'm going to get some reverse anger, right? And I'm not going to have an enjoyable day. And now everything just spins off into this this kind of really negative cycle because, well, you're mean to me, so I'm more angry, so I'm more angry. And we're more in a vicious cycle. But if I had control of me and I go, you know what, it's not ideal, Anthony, but hey, maybe you get to sit down and uh, maybe get you, a, you could download a different movie watch a different show if you're at the airport it's delayed or maybe something happened at the kids school but you know it's a great time to teach a lesson about how to be able to handle yourself in the world that I'm not always gonna be there for them to handle themselves right so if you can control how you are genuinely like looking at it I don't I don't want to say response but how am I at least looking at it because people say you can control your response yes you can but if you can't control your emotions or control yourself you can't control your response so I want to be able to control like how I'm seeing, how I'm framing, which controls the emotions, which then controls my actions. So I want to control my perspective of situations, my framing of situations. So I give that moment a meaning, which feeds me an emotion, which controls my actions.
1: Where does all this wisdom come from? How did you develop oh, this sense man. of
0: control? Living life, dude. You know, it's <laughs> a, it's a, I'm not some like, I didn't go to the top of a mountain and sit there with a bunch of, um, you know, bu- buzzards and, and birds and like fleas. You know what I wrote I think we all have moments, many, many moments every day where life can teach us lessons, but we get stuck in this weird perspective or weird ego or framing of this is who I am. So if this isn't in line with who I am, I don't want to hear it. Whereas for me, I just I've opened the doors like I'm a football guy, but I experience life the same way all of us do. I just like to look at it differently. It's not all about me. I'm not the most infallible human. I love me for who I am, but I love learning and learning comes with being wrong. So like I can just kind of have these different perspectives and ideas. And then I actually spend time thinking. Like I really do. I I think in the world of how we all function, we don't actually think. I think we, we look at things, we're processing, but most of it are, are like we're just staring and we're vegging out. Or I'm trying to find something that aligns with an already preconceived thought. And I'm not allowing myself just to be. And so I'm trying to find ways to align. But for me, I just go, no, let me think. And I'll actually sit here. And I'll have thoughts that scare me, like of actual fear in my blood, because I'm thinking about a thought. If I'm on this, like the battlefield, and all of a sudden a bullet whizzes by, and I'll try to actually be there and think about what would I do and how would that feel? And, or like somebody said something or somebody does something. And so I, I can be in my my house just thinking about random things and putting perspectives together in different ways. And you can call it wisdom, because I think experience that is seasoned becomes wisdom. So I'm just kind of like actively seasoning life, we'll call it.
1: Now, the reason I say it like this is because the stages that you've been on, there's a certain level of objective deference that has to be given because there's this wild trail of evidence that over the course of your career, you've established, Mm -hmm. whether it's inspiring a wide array of adults by the thousands, being on the same stage as the most familiar names, most household names that, that exist from Brandon Bouchard and all. In Mm -hmm. the motivational speaker space, you're in the same conversation as those individuals. What, in your view, has been the catalyst in your experience to get
0: to your current stage? Yeah, it's going to be a simple one. I am not an ask hole. (laughs) So (laughs) a lot of people ask the question, what do I got to do to get that level? What do I got to? And then they get an answer. They don't do anything with it. The definitive difference between me and a lot of people, because most of don't know, like I just, I found out about this world in 2014. Brendan Burchard at an event, I just showed up. I didn't know what, who he was, what this, I was just like, I'm just gonna go. Didn't know anything about it. And then fast forward two and a half, maybe almost three years, I was speaking on his stage in front of the same 2000 people. I wasn't a speaker before I went into that room. I didn't, you know, I, I, in 2014, I just was a dude. But what I did is like, I went there, and while a lot of people go there, I heard this on the way to lunch one time, someone goes, yeah, that's my seventh event. And in my head I go, what, seventh? How did you go the second time? What did you not learn the first time? Like what are we, what's going on here? Because in my brain, I'm a football guy. They tell you, here's the play, go do this. You read the play, you go do that thing. The separation which got me that level was, I would go and ask the question or learn the information and go do it. That's it, I would go do it. And the doing of it, it's crazy, you get more than what they promise you. No matter who you're following in some area, that you think that you're getting the, the answer to the solution to get that area, but you're not. You're getting exposed to two things. One is what really is going on there, because like they, they give you an idea to get you moving, but there's really more when you arrive there. Secondly, you get exposed to what your next question should be. And most people have no idea that that's the most powerful thing is the next question to know to ask, to clarify your next moves. So like, what do I do in six months? I can't tell you because even if I did, you wouldn't even know it's a valuable question to ask. It wouldn't make sense to you. So what I did is I just, I would go there and he'd say, hey, film videos. Got it. Post them. Got it. I'd get people. I was posting videos every single week. Then I started doing every single day because I go, well, he said, you got to do a lot of repetitions to get good at speaking, post so the world can see. For 1,333 straight days, 3.65 years, I did a 90 second video every day. It wasn't to be famous, it was to learn how to speak extemporaneously like this, just talk and flow, but also to get some kind of notoriety have an audience, trust me. When you know I've posted a video every day, you can go like, this dude's going to do what he says he's going to do. That's the secret, but it's not a secret. Most people just won't do it. And so when those people see you like this guy gets down like I do, they welcome you in. But people don't want to hang around with people that aren't at a level of like how they are, or don't get what it takes to to like arrive at their level because they know if they keep giving you insight, I can do anything with it. So for me, I've just, I've taken the insight and I built and I do, and it gets you at a level to where you can have conversations with them. They go, great, come hang out with us.
1: You said something interesting at the top that before you had stepped on that stage, you weren't a speaker. No. But now you quite literally are. Yeah, in, in your view, what makes for an effective and captivating speaker?
0: Three things. One is you must have a a a, okay, a unique story. And it ain't got to be crazy, but a unique story or one that you can frame up to be unique. right? Because there's a lot of the things that, that people have as experiences. They think like, well, I just had this happen. Yeah, but have okay, you told it in this enthralling way? You can do that. But I need you to find the story that you want to tell. One that you can tell every day and not get tired of telling. I don't care what it is. Like I have a story that, that my life, I love telling. I never get tired. People go, how do you tell it every time? I go, cause I know it's the first time this person's hearing it and I love telling the story. So that's one part of it. Second part of it is you gotta get great, in my opinion, at being a, an amazing orator, right? speak your. you have to be able to speak, right? You have to be able to tell words and ideas and inflect and your voice and tonality. And you just have to learn how to do your thing from a craft perspective, right? That's my thought because obviously everybody thinks that's all it is. If I can be great at speaking, I'll be a great speaker. Not if your stories aren't put together well. You can inflect your voice and everything, but if I I can't follow it or I'm not engaged properly, like, ah, it's no fun. The third thing, in my opinion, is you've got to be able to turn your experience into a valuable experience for the audience, because most people have a great experience and it's like they turn into a glorified YouTube video or, or Netflix TV show, right? I'm just watching you. I don't watch Netflix to change my life. I watch to be entertained. So, if you have a cool story and you can tell it well, great, you're entertaining. You want to be an impactful, high fee speaker? I need you to come to my audience of people and have them leave and do something that allows me to generate more income or more impact from what you told my people. There's got to be something that you can apply that is extracted from your story. So, most speakers don't go this deep, they just go and tell a cool story. I went here and I felt this and I did this and I had this. And it's like, I'm glad you did that, but I'm sitting here watching for an hour. I don't know about me. I have no more belief in me. I don't even know how to do what you did. In fact, I feel more separate because I'm not as cool or as experienced as you. So if I walked in and go, foster kid, college you know, scholarship, NFL football player, American Ninja Warrior, I'm great. You're going to go, oh, cool story. But like, what about me, bro? Whereas for me, I go, here's what I did, but here's what I learned. I want you to apply to your own life. So it's, it's doing that in a way to where when individuals are seeing you, they go, God, this is This makes me feel amazing. I can go have success. So do you have a cool story that you can actually tell? Do you have a skill of sharing it? And can I extract something from the story to apply to my own life or my audience's life?
1: The actionable insight that you touched on right there is so key, bridging that gap between the narrative and the action that people can take to implement Mm -hmm. on a daily basis. That in and of itself is what distinguishes the greats from
0: not so great we're trying yeah (laughs) if you miss any one of those you're not as if you have amazing takeaways but you have no cool story uh and you can tell it well it's like all right cool i don't get the takeaway though because the story didn't match right because it may not even be your story it could be somebody else's and it's not yours it's kind of weird or if you're phenomenal at sharing your story and you have this uh you know say amazing takeaways but like I don't get the takeaway from it or sorry you have amazing story but i get the takeaway it's a loss or if i have amazing takeaways and a great story but you can't deliver it well i'm not paying attention so you need to have all three of those it's got to be a, a collective base to really get you to the point of being a, a potentially amazing speaker but if you're missing one it all falls down it's like a tripod you can't hold the camera up.
1: there's this concept that you talk quite a lot about it's on your microphone yeah it's in the essence of what you and i have talked about previously the dark work Mm -hmm. what is the dark work and why is it so important to Mm -hmm. go and explore it
0: the dark work is the work you do in the dark so you can win the light it is gosh it's it's the single most important thing that we as humans need to be able to fall in love with to have success later on in life because in later on in life you need you have moments of two things one i have a skill and I have this brazenness to deploy that skill. So the defining moments I talked about, that identity thing, I need you to show up to a moment and go, I got the ability to do this. Like I know I have the ability to do this and you actually do. You don't get that because you woke up one morning and go, God, I've, I wanna be a pilot today. I'm gonna be an amazing, I'm an amazing pilot, but you never flew and you have you know no confidence to do so. Can't be an amazing pilot. But if you did what I call dark work, it's the unsexy, unseen, ridiculed, misunderstood work, In the dark when nobody was watching right if you put those hours in you have two things one's this it's this incredible skill set that was developed repetitiously to where you can't mess it up anymore it's instinctual just it almost just happens people go kaya you must have been born like that no i just i woke up every day and did this to where it looks like it's effortless the other part of it you develop is an investment bias the investment bias is huge for us humans and i don't know if we pay attention to it as much as we really should When you've put time and energy into something, you expect a return. If I give you money, I expect a return on my investment. If I give time, the return is pride, confidence, self-esteem, that brazenness I'm talking about. So you show up to these defining moments with a mentality I mentioned of, I've done too much work in the dark to lose in the light. But that is because you've done that dark work. And it should be something you kind of, you settle into almost like a flow, like it's a, it's a state of being that when you're in it, it's like the rest of the world drowns out and, and you just focus and the harder it is, the better it is for you later. Have you ever seen uh, people that the running joke is like the first rule of CrossFit is talk about CrossFit, right? I go, why in the world do they, why is that such a big thing they talk about? And I go, oh, I did. It's because they go in and they kill themselves. They beat their bodies up. They're, they're puking. They're fighting. They're dying. It's so hard, right? That's why they have so much pride. The harder it is, the more pride you have around it, the more you'll fight and tell people about it.
1: I've never heard it like that. That was interesting. The more you fight for it, then the more you'll tell people about it.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's how it is. Think about it. like, you got your parent, like you all the moms, I'm a mom and I got, why are we talking about moms Because being a mom's hard. That motherhood, the father, it's hard. So you talk about it because you're proud of the hard stuff you did. But if you don't do hard stuff, there's no pride there.
1: And going back to something that you addressed earlier when it comes to identity, those hard experiences help shape our identity.
0: Heck, yeah, they do. Yeah, because, yeah. Yeah, I mean, can
1: you can you expand on that? That's kind of where the yeah. question was going. How do we shape our identity? I know that you have a tool that people can use to help figure out what type of identity, if they're struggling with it, yep. to embody or that they're cur- where they're currently at relative to where they want to go maybe you could expand a bit on what, in your view, shaping an identity actually looks like these days.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, it's uh all of us have identities currently, which is good. They were shaped a certain way. We just don't know how. There is a way to figure out kind of what you might, which one you might be is like four, they have a segment that I kind of talk through. But the realistic part is this. We, as we all stand right in this moment, we identify with certain things. Mom, dad, father, son, strong, weak, right? This identification with something. And it's always because of something we experienced. It's it's wired neurologically and psychologically within us. If, I, if I've if i spent hours and hours and hours playing video games, I'm a gamer, right? If I haven't, I play video games. It's a difference, right? Or if I'm, I'm a guy that I spent decades boxing, I'm a boxer. Or I put some gloves on, I'm trying out boxing there's not not an identification with it and the only separation is what did you do that you experienced to lead you there and so the gift is well a lot of us go you know i'm not a speaker or you know i'm not a a, a, i don't know basketball player you know I, i don't know how to build a website cool the only difference between you and the person who is is just the experience they went through and it's an ugly journey of starting something when you suck and just keep on doing it right the more you do it the more you have different experiences some good some bad but they over time they rewire you to get to where you want to be in the future so if you want to adjust your identity or shift it as i call it the idea is not to go okay i'm gonna wake up and look in the mirror and say you are a millionaire like that sounds good right or you get to the point of doing things millionaires do maybe it's a morning routine maybe it's a way that you handle your money maybe it's a way you develop a skill set that you put in the world you build a business whatever it is like whatever that ends up being when you actually do have the million dollars in your bank a different sense of ownership so much so you'll fight for that, like you'll battle for it. You'll, you'll get in arguments if someone tries to take it away from you or take the pride from you. But the identification portion at some point later is all because of what experiences you subject yourself to.
1: This episode is brought to you by Slate Milk. Slate Milk is a protein chocolate drink that gives you all the necessary energy after you have finished a hard training session or also serves as an awesome snack, whether it's hot or cold. I commute two hours a day to my job and every single day after I train I'm looking for a quick snack or post workout drink that I don't have to spend time making so I go into my fridge I take out my slate, and I hit the road as fast as I can and enjoy my drink on the way to work that's the way that I personally like to enjoy it because there's so many different flavors so in the morning the mocha flavor with the caffeine definitely hits. I can also recommend you check out their other flavors. It is a phenomenal brand. They are the number one partner of the UFC. You can actually go to their website slatemilk.com type in the code inspired for 10% off your first order. So go ahead type in the code inspired at slatemilk.com to get 10% off your first order today. This episode is brought to you by ProMix. Promix is an energy supplement brand that provides a whole plethora of different products from protein cereal bars to protein shakes, probiotic, prebiotic, d low products, along with electrolytes, and the list goes on. Promix is the supplement that I go to for all of my health needs. It has been a game changer for me over the last few months. After the 1000 Pull-Up Challenge, My immune system was compromised in ways that were super uncomfortable. I kept getting sick and I knew I needed to level up my game. I didn't place enough value on supplements, but I do now. I spent some time, I did my research and Promix is the brand that I decided to work with because my immune system is finally in check. So go check out promix.com and type in the code inside the inspired to get 20% off your First order today. That's right. Go to promix.com to get 20 percent off your first order today with the code inside the INSPIRED. When you go through your rolodex of experiences, there one that stands out as a catalyst for your growth—a moment and an inflection point that you can kind of point to where it's like yeah. it's time to change, and now I'm going to mm-hmm. go do it.
0: Oh, 100. There's a lot of them. There's one that's the most. Adult one, I think I'll call it, you know, because as a kid, I had moments when I was a football player and I wasn't good and I wanted to get good. So a whole offseason, I just dug in. It was the first dark work experience I did unintentionally, but it was amazing for what turned into. And then I did it in college. It's a father business. But there was one in like 2016 after I was divorced of my ex-wife, right? We were kind of going through life and, and just I, I fell apart, man. I, I didn't know who I was or what I want to create. I wasn't showing up as a good father or a good husband in any way. And I just kind of went to this fog of life. And I remember I woke up on New Year's Day 2016, I had flown a woman out from Russia. I was single, it was like two and a half year mark of my divorce and flown her out, couldn't speak English, purely physical connection. It just, I woke up feeling dirty, man. I was like hungover. I had a hook on my lungs and just, she's in the bed. I can't even talk to her. Like with my voice, it was like all Google Translate and like, but on paper, Playboy. Oh, I got a girl from a different country, And I just woke up and I was disgusted. I genuinely looked in the mirror and I was like, I hate this guy. Like, who are you? Your your mom wouldn't approve of this. Your kids should never emulate you in any way. Your daughter better not be the guy like you. Like your God ain't let you into heaven. Like it was just like this really weird, like I was just, I was internally disgusted with myself and I realized I had to change something because the place I was headed was not a place I really wanted to go. And it started there and it turned into the next stage of like asking a bunch of questions, like, how'd you get here? What's going on? And ton of ownership. Cause I think part of us has to realize that we're the common denominators in all of our problems, whether we created it or we're allowing it like we're there. Obviously, it's affecting us. So we're probably, you know, got to bit. But once you do that, it allows you to, as best I can, somewhat subjectively look at yourself and go, what, what did you do wrong? Right? Or, or even objectively, what did you do? What, what's your thing? And that kind of truth, when you actually own up to what it is, it gives you some next level actions that you may not want to do, but if you do them, it creates that new experience. So apologizing, taking ownership, um, you know, admitting things that were not the best part of who you were, and then trying to do things different than who you see yourself to be, is also shame built into that. Because like you realize what you messed up, and you go, "Do I deserve to have more?" And it's like, "Yeah, we all do, but you got to you got to earn that more." So go do things against the odds of people look at you crazy and whatever you may. Be. Go do that stuff, and over time, you retrain the world on who you are. You retrain you on who you are also and you build out of it. But that was the window. And then from that three years divorce and craziness, remarried my ex-wife, have an amazing marriage, built a great business. I'm a great father. I wasn't that eight years ago. Like I was was a guy trying to go through the motions, you know, flying random women out from different places to hang hang out and and do. And just the things you think that look on TV like they're all fast and cool, empty as all get out. And now my life is more full than it could ever be
1: the reflection and the awareness around where you were relative to who you wanted to be. There's an element of vision that comes into that too, right? Because oh, I'm yeah. sure you had also had those thoughts previously to that moment where you're like, I can, I can be more, I can do more. At least I'll, I'll speak you to know, my own experience.
0: Yeah, I, I can agree with that. I don't know if it was, I think part of it was my mom passed away and I realized I wasn't living to my potential. Mm. And so there was that do more, I think a lot of it for me, which for most of us, I wanted to avoid the pain. Like that was the thing, I kept experiencing pain and no matter what I do, the pain wouldn't stop. And I go, the only antithesis to pain is like positive and joy and and so while I was trying to endure the pain, I wasn't trying to create positivity and joy. I wasn't putting myself in emotion for that. I had removed myself from things that were positive and so I was putting myself back in but that's where the shame was at. It's like, I'd, I'd fallen so far off. Do I? Do those people gonna hang out with me? You know, or do, I, do I wanna be run? And also, as much as we, we like to not think it's part of us, like we all say, I'm not perfect, right? But the moment an imperfection arises, we, we try to hide it and don't tell anybody it exists. And no, 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 I'm good. When the reality is, is you need to let your ego take a break. You need to kill the ego off. There's gotta be some kind of ego death where you go, no, I, I do suck in this area. It doesn't mean I'm a horrible human, but I do suck here. That's why I don't like the idea nowadays of like the whole, like coaches are too hard and everyone should get some participation because it gave some effort. Yeah, right, okay, you gave some effort. If you wanna go run a marathon, you can't run a mile and go, give me my medal. I went a mile, I I give my best effort. Now you gotta finish the race. And it may have to be, hey, go lose some weight, go get in better shape. You should feel bad. Doesn't mean you should hate yourself, but you should feel bad enough to motivate you to do the thing it takes to feel great. And so in those moments, yeah, While I knew there was a potential portion to it, I think for me, a lot of it was like, I don't want to feel as crappy anymore.
1: The pain has to outweigh the pleasure portion, right? In order to kind of feel enough to actually take action and make the shift. When it comes to personal development, professional development, I'm from the school of thought that it's a more holistic approach and that obviously one bleeds into the other. But that they can kind of both be shaped concurrently. And when you look at best practices and there's so much information out there in terms of you know get present have gratitude work out there's this universal approach almost to the point that we're all it's all just kind of pushed down our throats like be the best version of you Mm -hmm. what is unique about your approach when it comes to exploring the best sides of ourselves and how we can achieve it
0: I don't think we've been introduced to them so we don't have an emotional connection to it yet. There's, my my wife's, one of her good friends had a situation where she was always overweight her entire life. My wife did the best she could to get her to get, do it. her friend would be like, yeah, I kind of want to get in shape. And it's like My wife would go, why doesn't she want to push like, I go, she doesn't have an emotional connection of what that better part of her is. She's never experienced it. She can look at it and see what it, yeah, it could be, but there's actually a study by UCLA done it's called a stranger inside that we can't actually see our future selves. We 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 may think to it, there's no there's not, a, there's not an emotional connection. I I know my wife, I know my kids, I don't know Anthony in ten years, so I don't sacrifice for that person. I don't look at the same way, and so I think that there's there's a part of it where we're we're not really seeing what it could be and what we create. But I do believe for me, my thought is, you know who you are in those moments that are challenging, and. If, if you think about all the moments that that you that you stepped out of, God, you felt amazing about yourself. And if you want to have a person later on where you love that person, you look in the mirror, that's the quickest pathway. It doesn't have to be physical. It could be you being disciplined past the point of like, I didn't eat that. I did read that. I did say that. I did go there. I built that. I don't care what it is, but it needs to challenge you because when it does challenge you, you create in real time the best version of you. And that's something you know now. Now, emotionally, that connection is quick when it's fitness. That's one of the best ways to do it. You go do a, I, in 20 minutes from now, if we both went to like, hey, as many burpees as you can do, and we just kept going, we had a record. We could beat it in 20 minutes and feel immediate gratification because physically, like, we know how hard it was. My mind didn't want to do it, but I kept on, right? So it's a great why So many people that have these motivational things, there's always fitness tied to it. It's a, it's a beautiful connection to mind and body and spirit. And so for me, the way I look at it is, Kind of getting all those ideas and synthesizing it down for you, it's you need to go do hard things. Go do something hard, sometimes for the pure purpose of it being hard. And what happens is you start to find out who you are, have a confidence in you being able to do hard things, and then you can borrow that to apply it to another place that's important to you. Could be your marriage, could be your career, could be your business. But if you don't have that confidence, that pride, that believability in yourself from anywhere, you can't apply it anywhere. So you need to actually have that. So. For me, that idea that we're talking, it's like really based in like, you got to do something hard and you got to do it so consistently it becomes easy. In fact,
1: let's talk about fitness for a second. You're a fit guy. You have an athletic background. What are some of the things that are working for you?
0: Oh, man, a couple of things. One is I, I get involved in uh, competitive things, things that make you have to go and compete again. I don't play football, but like next week, my wife and I are going to fly up to Spokane, Washington, do a master's track meet. I'm 40 plus now, so she's going to be almost there. But like we go do things. Part of my my brain, my best friend said this. He goes, "Man, I'm at 40 years old. I just I have to accept that I'll never be what I am." And just it's now it's maintenance and holding on. I go, "That's a weird way to think about it." I don't I don't know if that's what I want my 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 mind. My mind immediately goes, "Mm, "No." And I go, "It's not that I don't want to maintain. Not that I don't want to you know uh, like be peaceful. But I still I like the part of of me who wants to to see what he can do and test his limits, but in a new area." So I go, I've never done master's track or track like that. Let's go see what I can do, right? Comparatively to my my peers, I may not be the best, but I'm going to try my best. And I get to be more like the person that I was before because he did say this. He goes, "Uh, we can never be who we were. We can never get back to who we were. And I go, yeah, but if I want to go in the direction, let me think about what the difference was between then and now. When we're kids, we get up every day, we play, we move our bodies, we compete. That's it play move our bodies and compete in some manner kickball tetherball so i go well i may not be that i can do the things that led me to being that kid i would go out i would play i would move i would compete so while yeah i'm not going to go out there every day and you know run around in recesses i can't i'm a grown man it's gonna be weird if i'm out of kids little school playing recess right <laughs> but i can go do different things and it allows me to still be in the flow of living life and yes yeah, so for me, I, I love the idea of being active and moving, and, and it ties into my life. Like I, I do those things, and also I train with my wife. This morning we just worked out from like eight thirty to ten. We do what my son does in college. In fact, we we have his workouts. So what he's doing for college, we do here. So like we're all together. You know, it's like this unique thing that our family all loves to do. So we do it together. We train together. We, we push each other together, and it allows us to kind of keep it as opposed to. It's me working out, trying to carve it outside of the time my wife wants to bake goods and you know and, and do fat, fatty stuff. Like we all do things together, so because of that, it makes it. It's not like this extra thing I'm doing away from the family. It's part of who we are.
1: The way that your training has evolved over time, it's also fostered this sense of community, especially mm-hmm. within your family. It seems, and on yeah. that note of fostering community, you've built your own community over time. Yeah would have been the key elements in building that community and what does it mean to you
0: yeah yeah it's everything i grew up in foster care didn't have that so i found unique i would say instinctual ways from my experience to to create it i'll tell you some of the core things i think about when i have communities i got really great communities that just almost happen and it doesn't it doesn't just happen randomly it's because of the way that i flow from a brick and mortar gym where people loved it so much that when I sold it the first time and reopened it, they all came back. They left their gyms to come back because of how emotionally connected they were to that experience and that environment. So, And then also online. I got amazing online communities. The community aspect for me is I want you to feel like it's a third home. There's like your, your home home. There's like a work home. There's like the extra home, right? And I want you to want to go there early, to want to hang out. Like we'll have, we had a call today with the coaching. There's like, I think, 15 people on with three people who had questions. That means that 12 people just wanted to be there. Just want to be there, right? You go, how does that happen? I go, well, a couple of things. One is I give them structure. So that's not like nobody doesn't know what to do and how to be, they're there. like there's a structure of what to say, what to do, how we flow. I think that some of the things people can't get comfortable in environments if they don't know what the the structure of the environment is. So I lay it out, it's clear. Here's what we do, this is what we do, how we do. So they're always like, oh, okay, I know how to be here. And a lot of my go, if you want to be a fly in the wall, be a fly in the wall, just sit and stare. Cool, they got it. Now we're comfortable. The second thing is, I want to make them better. And in making them better, I can gracefully challenge them in a way that is not diminishing or embarrassing. It's a big piece of it. When you have a community, I want to be around people that make me better. It's why I get in these communities. I don't want to feel like a piece of trash when they do it, though. You know, like, I don't want them to be like, damn it, Janet, you suck. Like, you don't do that. So treat people well, right? And then also, I do this I do not become infallible. I'm the one that can lead, but I'm very open in saying, you bring value to this community because you might know something I don't know. Please share it. Now, collectively, I know more than probably most of you wouldn't be in my community, but there's going to be areas where I don't know anything. And if I am the guy that's like trying to hold that, people feel that. And they go, it's just guys, weird. Like he thinks he knows everything. It's just nobody likes that kind of guy. So I'll sit back and I'll go, hell yeah, phenomenal idea today, Desiree. Like, well done. Like, I didn't even think of that, right? And, and they realize while I've created the structure and the frame, I know my stuff, I can still give grace. And then what happens is people go, God, I want to have praise like he just gave her praise. So what do they do? They share ideas and you embrace it. You build it in, they communicate. And now people, when they think of the community, no matter what it is, there's this positive feeling wrapped around it. They may not remember the exact call, but the feeling when they left the call was always good. So when they think about, oh, 10 o'clock call pops up a reminder. They don't, they don't go, what happened last call? They go, oh, call, how do I feel about that? I want to go. They come watch or they come engage. And so for me, those have been the core elements of how I've thought of developing my communities.
1: There's a theme of anticipation with everything that you've addressed here today. Anticipate the consequences of your decisions one way or the other for the better. What is my community going to feel if I put that, or also kind of giving those defined roles and a roadmap how to go about their experience when it comes to interacting with you, but also mm-hmm. level setting and anticipating what what it is that you want your audience to leave with is something I hope the audience today takes note of that foresight because when you have that foresight, you can start to craft and reverse engineer accordingly and you've given great examples of different ways that you've actionably been able to to do that. So as we round this thing out, you had also mentioned something previously about how you don't know what the version of you ten years from now is mm-hmm. gonna be like, which is interesting yeah. because the question that I pose to all my guests is a final question is mm-hmm. Say that person was to fly in today.
0: I have Assuming no idea
1: he's in that ideal spot. What do you think he would say to you in order to get there?
0: Ah mean, you know i i don't know anybody else's perspective really but my own i know my wife's my you know brain but we never really know someone else's mind fully so i just want that guy to come back and and i want him to respect the work i put in to get wherever i'm at because i if you go take me back nine years ago i didn't know this industry existed if you'd have asked me nine years ago could you not have been like oh i'm gonna run a gym until i retired 60 years old that was it and now i, I spend 90% of my workday here and 10% on a stage, you know, it's way different. And so I, I don't want to confine myself to the bubble. What I do want to do is actively set like shorter goals, three, six months and work my tail off because I do know this, the, the harder I work in a direction, the faster I get to the fork. And what I mean by the fork is like the fork in the road where life presents to you the gift of multiple decisions. Hey, here's based on how hard you worked Anthony, you now have an introduction to this human being and they introduce you to this opportunity. And because it now exists, you get to choose if you want to take it or not. If you didn't work Ant, you wouldn't have got this opportunity or even known it existed. So for me, I just want to work at the level necessary that my, my gut knows to put me in position to be in front of those opportunities. So when I say I don't know what 10 years looks like, I literally have zero clue what it looks like 10 years from now. I might be uh, on a spaceship, you know, I don't know, legit, who knows. So for me, I sit back and go, I'm just gonna work my tail off and do it, what's planned out for my life and not get in the way of it. In fact, as a man of faith, and this may tie in, I tell people, I don't wanna mess up the plan with my plan.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Anthony Trucks, please let everyone know where they can keep up with your journey.
0: I'm just go to at Anthony Trucks on Instagram, easy peasy.
1: Appreciate your time, man. This was so much fun.
0: Pleasure. Thank you.